Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a parenting podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I welcome back Brian the Birth Guide. That's right. Brian Salmon is back on the podcast today, and he usually does a segment called Ask the Birth Guy, where people send in their questions about birthing and breastfeeding, etc., and he answers them on the podcast. We haven't had a few of those lately. There's been a lot of focus around, uh, I think, a lot of people trying to reorient themselves since we've been sheltering in place, quarantining, etc., for most of this year. Uh, I expect those questions to ramp back up here later on this year as people start uh, getting used to uh, their routines and wanting to know what, uh, how they should approach certain things. So anyways, Brian is on to talk about his experience Uh, both in the hospital and helping parents get ready to bring in new babies and how to assist once those babies are in this new world. So it's a really great discussion. I truly think you're going to enjoy it. So stick around. My conversation with Brian will be up next right after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time is one of my favorite people on the planet. He is the birth guy. He is Brian, the birth guy. Brian, how are you doing today? I'm so good, Joe, and it's so good to see you. And I'm I'm seeing your face right now as we're recording this, which doesn't always happen. And I love that because we have some history and, you know, we've been having fun. I've really enjoyed being a part of your show. I think your show is always so good because you touch on every single topic out there from anything from lgbtq cis trans this that i mean you're amazing and you bring all these different guys together to really like talk about fatherhood and talk about what their idea is for it and even just understanding the lay of the land and i love that your your topics range and you know i'm good for like you know you're gonna get pregnant you're pregnant you're gonna have a baby you were at the labor we do breastfeeding and then you're in your first you know your first year or so that's like my specialty right so i love doing the ask the birth guy thing here and all you guys joining you know listen anything or a friend of you got a question i love to answer them so just just send them over what are we talking about today joe well so what i'm really excited about and i'm glad you you were thank you for so much for the kind words because here at the detox podcast we're all about we're dedicated to educating and empowering you the listener to raise inclusive kids and a portion of that is ask the birth guy so if you do have those questions we were a little light on them through the last couple months i think folks are kind of getting used to their new routine here in uh our sheltering in place and and the school year's coming up that's right but i know that we're going to have some starting back up i just feel it so as you get those email them to detox podcast at gmail.com and then I'll pass them over as I do to Brian. He'll record them. We'll put them at the beginning of the show. It'll be great. Um, So just wanted to put that on there. Oh, and I did want to point out before we get started, today's sponsor, today's episode is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y.co. And Nick Silvestri runs that company. He designed the latest Detox Podcast logos. So if you like his work, go check it out, snuffy.co. But what we're going to talk about today, and I'm really excited to, to bring this up, is I want to get your perspective, Brian, on how it has been um, helping these new parents through their childbirth during 
this COVID crisis? Because, you know, I was, I was having this conversation with my wife the other day, and we were talking about how there are babies being born now where f- parents didn't go into this thinking, gee whiz, I'd love to have a kid during a global pandemic. That's just, that's on my bucket list. That's something I want to do. Yeah, nobody did that, right? I mean, we're just, we're out here. We're just, make, people are making babies. We're just going through the process. And all of a sudden this pandemic hits and we're going to get to a point in the future where folks are recognizing that like, hey, this is probably going to continue. I'm willingly entering this. And that's also just interesting to me to think about all the nuances there. But from your perspective, what have the hospitals look like? What have the parents looked like and sounded like with their questions? And how have you been able to be both not only just a birth guy, not only a doula, not only a lactation consultant, which are highly qualified for all those, but also just kind of kind of like a life coach and a therapist and a shoulder to, to cry on just all of those things. That's a lot. I want you to just take me through all of the nitty gritty. Joe, it has been quite some time. So yes, nobody was really expecting, hey, let's have a baby during a global pandemic, right? Right. <laughs> and so so there's been obviously a lot of questions. Okay, so let's just backtrack to when all this kind of started going down, right? It was just after dad 2.0. Right. I was there in DC. I flew back. Luckily, I'm negative COVID, right? Right. Um, but I'm, I'm a positive attitude. I'm just kidding. But so, so, yeah, so here's the thing. A lot of people didn't know what was going on. And at first it was kind of like a joke. And, and, you know, some part of our society still tries to act like it's a joke and that's cool, whatever their perspective. Right. Right. But when you're having a baby, you gotta be serious because you can't just go, okay, I'm just going to have my baby however I want, you know, forget it. There's going to be rules put in place in our, in our, you know, our community. Right. You can have a home birth. That's great have a home birth if you want to, but some people aren't really made to have a home birth because they sure. may have some pre-existing conditions that make it less safe. And, you know, some people may get mad at me for saying that, but the truth of the matter is, you know, I listen to Dr. Stu. He's what, he's my mentor. He's been a great friend of mine. He does, he's Dr. Stirk Fishbein. He is amazing. I mean, if, for people who really want to know about some of the stuff even deeper, you know, check him out, Dr. Stirk Fishbein. And so uh, Stu was my mentor and is still my dear friend. And, he, uh, you know, he says it himself, he only does home births as an OBGYN in Los Angeles. And he said himself, not everybody's cut out. So that's the first thing you have to think about people's health. Do they have diabetes? Are they immunosuppressed? Are they having, you know, there's just so like this long list goes on. So you, you try and find people who really fit in it to have the safest type of home birth, right? Right. Because you don't want people, you don't want to, you know, use your ego to go do a birth because you just want it to be that way. And you know better because right yeah definitely I beat that way. so that's the first consideration because everybody was coming to me let's do a home birth the hospitals i'm terrified of the hospitals I'm like you should be kind of actually a little more excited about the hospitals and you're in dallas right right and so yep. you, you know i come out there and i teach at baylor and i work very closely with baylor um, scott white out there and right. you know they're having some good births too but the thing is it's about precautions that you take because mm-hmm. look we all know it as we see the numbers rising and rising and rising that at this point, people are getting COVID. <laughs> right. People are yeah. dying. I've known several people who have died from COVID. It's mm-hmm. very sad and it sucks, but it's you know part of what happens in the world, right? This happens right. from time to time. And it's kind of like a reset, I guess, but we can be the safest that we can be and some people don't want to take it seriously. Right. So I tell people, look, it doesn't matter what you think right now or how things are going. The problem is, well, it's not even a problem. What it, what's happening is you're just here. <laughs> you're right. pregnant. We're in COVID. 
we have a little little bit more understanding right now. So since we're doing this podcast now in August, we're deep in the thick of it and we've been running it and we've gotten hospitals under control, right? We look at New York, we look at Los Angeles, things are starting to kind of mellow out. I'm in San Antonio, we're a hot spot. Yeah. Yet I have to tell you the bursts are so bad. So let me tell you why. Okay. There's a couple of things, Joe. What happens is moms are gonna be checked for COVID, dads are gonna be checked for COVID, right? when they come in. So as you can see, there's kind of a line of what happens, you guys, and all you listeners out there, um, um, really, you, you got to come in and just be fearless and know this is, you've chosen this place to have your birth and they're going to have your, you, you know, all of your best interests there because they don't want to have high numbers either. Right. So that's the, that's what's in your favor. The odds are in your favor because they're working really hard to make sure that nothing happens to you in there because they don't want to look bad on them as well as hurt another human being and a baby, right? Right. Exactly. So if mom's positive COVID, she's going to remain with her mask on. And typically during the full birth, if mom's um, not po if negative, she'll be having a mask on if she wants to take it off from time to time, depending on which, who's in there and what they're wearing and this and that, she can take it off. Because even though we test right when mom goes in, I mean, I just had a birth last week. You know, I, I, I take a lot of births. And let me tell you, so if mom is positive, then we know when baby comes out, we're going to test baby. If baby is positive and having problems, baby will go to the NICU. And we're gonna talk about solutions for that. So I'm not just okay. gonna lay it out and leave you good. guys hanging. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you guys some good strategies, but we have to understand the lay of the land, right? Right. So, so what happens, Joe, is then we have uh, dad negative or positive, right? If dad's positive and mom's positive, typically they're gonna see if anybody's symptomatic. Okay. That's the first thing, because now we got to go just run down the course very methodically, right? So right. if one of them is symptomatic, well, we've got to see how symptomatic. If dad's in there coughing and hacking, has a high fever, and that, we got to get him out and quarantine him. That's, right. just the, that's just what it is. And when I say dad, I mean partner. You know I'm very inclusive. Sure. Me and Kelly Morell is here. We, we're in the, the out magazine here because we do right. all the LGBT first. Yes. And so, um, so, you know, no matter what's what's going on, you, you've got to kind of keep your head and, and think logically. So, okay, if I'm symptomatic, this is it. If mom's symptomatic, we got to try and help her, but also get that baby out. So either she can right. get through her labor, her trial of labor and push and do all of that, or it's going to have to be a cesarean delivery because there's two ways to have a baby. And a cesarean is not necessarily like you lost. It's, you know, you would have lost a baby if we could get the baby out. Sure. Particularly, that's the way it should be if you're with, with the doctor who's, you know, listening to your wishes, making sure that you're going to go as far as you can safely. And if safety becomes a, an, an issue and it's, and it's logical, then you make the decision as a patient, informed consent to have a cesarean, right? Right. So in this case, if you're, you're febrile and having all these issues, you probably want to get that baby out. So they're going to check yeah. the baby. If baby is corona positive, but non-symptomatic, Baby stays with mom if mom's not in quarantine because she's symptomatic. You have to separate them if mom's like about ready to go on a ventilator, right? Because she's sure. not going to be able to do much for that baby. That's where partner comes big, big, big into the picture because we need partner skin to skinny. We need to be hand extracting milk from mom, you know, the colostrum in the first phase. And if she's still in the hospital for 14 days or longer, we do it that way. If mom's corona positive, they're going to put her in a wing away from the other pregnant moms and families, and they're gonna take all the COVID precautions, the suits, the drapes, like it's gonna be over the top, not just masks and not just, you know, the staff wearing maybe a shield, 
or something. Everybody's in gloves. I always wear gloves anyway, because, sure. you know, because in general, not because I think my patients are gross or whatever, but because, I mean, I've caught babies barehanded in the waiting room, but I'm doing what I'm saying. I always <laughs> yeah. wear gloves anyway, because if we're, we're touching a baby and giving baby back to mom, baby doesn't need our oils and smells and scents and stuff on it. Baby needs to know mom and dad, because that's where it counts. Baby doesn't even know, need to know grandma. Grandma needs to get out of the room and stop trying to touch the baby. <laughs> <laughs> right exactly let, yeah let, let them matriculate and understand what's going on you know so yeah mom's like sponge she just had a baby then if you're in corona i have to tell you less people are in the room so it's kind of right. exciting because yeah. you, you, have you had a hospital birth joe uh yes i have one hospital and one uh birth center birth okay so the hospital birth there's like eight people when you're pushing all the there's a lot yeah. there's like a and there's the like a chorus line yeah <laughs> Yeah, the lights are on, come here. It's the vagina show because it's like right there, right? So yeah, what happens? So many people. You got, yeah. all this, you got people. Typically, mom doesn't care because she's she's in labor land anyway. She's pushed, she wants to hold her baby. I mean, she's been waiting right. for three weeks, right? Yeah. So, so what happens is, um, to, you know, like I'll walk you through what it looked like for me. Mom's negative, dad was negative, and we don't see a lot. Of, you know, when the positive mom comes in, nobody's freaking out. All the professionals really have it down. I ran into another OB friend of mine when I was running to the bathroom, and she's like, "Brian, I gotta go. I'm going to. I got a COVID positive patient. I gotta deliver." I go, "Are you okay?" Because you look stressed. She goes, "No, I'm just running late. Everything's fine." I'm like, "Okay, good," because right. I don't want to see people stressing about, "Oh gosh, she's COVID right. positive." Because it's just a matter of fact that she's a patient. We we have to treat her because this is what we do right we, right we have to we're there to support i'm there to support they're there to treat we're there to help and we're there to just make things move smoothly right so exactly. hopefully right now at this point the listeners are going this doesn't sound as scary as i thought because it's not sure it's not yeah and and you know it is scary COVID's scary i'm not saying that's not scary but i'm saying going right. to the hospital i feel like you're a little safer than typically because yeah. there's less people involved you typically yeah have that's a good nurse. point you know, your physician comes in, we've got, you know, a tech in there during the birth, you know, to, to hand the sterile equipment and whatever we need, if we're, we're going that route, you know, if we need right. to use some of the, you know, and so it's really not that bad. What's you know, bad, yeah. it, go ahead, go. We- oh, I was just going to say, I think that, I think to your point, which you addressed, the biggest concerns that people have are I'm afraid of going to the hospital and picking picking up COVID as if it's a free sample on the way out the door. Um, and and I mean, but truthfully, and the other thing is like, well, what about my baby? I want to be with my baby. I'm worried about not being allowed to see my baby. I mean, I remember being in the hospital and um, they needed to take the baby to our pediatrician who came in so the pediatrician could do the first check, you know, the, uh, all the things like 24 hours later or whatever it was. And I remember I fall, I mean, the nurse was like, yeah, I'm just going to take it right down the hall. And I was like, cool. And I like went with her and then followed and they went into a room where I couldn't go, but it was all, you know, windows. And I, I, my eyes did not leave my baby at all. Cause I was so paranoid. I think that's just the new parent in me. Right. But I think you're attached to your child psychologically. Exactly. Physiologically, you're, you're, you're ready to take care of them. It's a, it's a, it's a thing. Exactly. And so I think, and so I think those are the two biggest concerns, but to your point, it's folks are doing all of the precautions and even more so, and, and they're in, in, they're insisting on only necessary folks in the room for the for the procedures in which they need to be in the room for, and then also to your point, taking the necessary precautions of separating the parents um, as they need to, 
when they need to based on the conditions. It's a very if this, if this then that, which I think gets a little glazed over because we're all we're all pretty hyper scared, which rightly so, but I also think it's it's important to know all the information. So when you do go in these situations, you can go in fully aware and be able to react accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the thing that I tell people is like, if you're, if you say that you, Joe, I walked you to a door and I said, you got to get, look at the furniture and you got to get to that other door on the other side. And I'm going to spin you around. I'm going to push you in. I'm going to turn off the lights. Go. You know, that's kind of what birth is like for a lot of people that don't get sure. the information <laughs> they need. Right. Yes. So what I tell people is just in any case, and this works the same in COVID, if you do your preparation ahead, understand what you're getting into, understand how to do it, have your exit strategies in case something goes different than the, the road that you think it's going to go. Know that if baby goes to NICU, dad's get, dad or partner will go with baby. Mom's going to um, you know, catch her breath for a minute. She's going to hand extract. We're going to come back and we're going to run that colostrum to the baby to get to, because that's the best thing the baby can possibly have right now, right? So, right. so these are things that we start thinking about. What are our strategies? And I, I look at them like a small LED light in your hand. And I push your ass into that room and then you got to get across, but you can kind of go inch by inch, right? right. That's yeah. better than being in the dark, right? Yes, it takes definitely. a little longer, but it's better. So, right, exactly. <laughs> so that's how I describe it to people. And what's funny is the same thing goes, and I, my mom's, my dad's, my partner, they just get, they get a little riled up as we get closer. And sure. it, but it's, it's almost the same type of anxiety we always see. When's my baby coming? Oh, why isn't the baby here yet? How come I have Brexit here? How come this is happening? Blah, 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 blah. I'm like, just enjoy each other. Sure. And right. the thing of the matter is, whether we're in COVID and in a global pandemic right now or not, we know the precautions to take. Don't go anywhere unnecessarily. So if we back up to during the pregnancy that started just before COVID or during COVID, because we have all these coronials being born now. Right. <laughs> and so that's so what we call them. And so, we, so what happens is these moms and, and, and their partners, they, they, they need to learn to, to really be safe. So partner goes to the store, partner's washing hands after he comes back. You know, you, maybe you want, you know, don't let mom touch anything. Just be, you just be a little hypervigilant. If you're really that right. worried, you don't have anything to worry about if you're not coming in contact with people, really, if, if partner's wearing a mask, or nobody's, you know, having fevers or this and that, and you're not, you're not seeing right. the, the thing. You just, just keep vigilant and, and yeah. stick, stick to the routine. We all know what we have to do pretty much. Right. Yeah, that's true. And you know, that's a good point. I know that after, um, we're, we're in the house that we're in now after my son was born and you know, my, my wife, she stayed upstairs and, uh, in the master room and, and then, um, uh, stayed in there for the, uh, for the handful of days. Cause the, the midwife had said, you know, don't move for this many days, um, after we came back from the birth center. And so it was really easy to just, everything she needed was up there and whatever she didn't have such as food. I brought up there, she ate up there and it was almost like a, like a quarantine isolation without, you know, a global pandemic. And it was very much that only I was going in and out washing hands, you know, where people were dropping food off and I was making sure everything was clean and sterile before we brought it up. So all of that, you know, all of that doesn't change in the way in which we come home and we take care of the baby and we focus on the baby. But I think it, our senses are heightened because of everything around us and so we're we're extra paranoid but i mean i think i was already paranoid in ge in general when people would come over i'm like did you wash your hands did you do this did you get the you know 
Yes, exactly. Yes. All of those things. And it's like, check, check, check. Okay, great. Um, but now it's just more so I'm, I, so I think, I think your approach is very healthy for parents in that you're doing what you've already been prepped to do. Just be a little extra mindful and don't do anything you don't absolutely need to do even more so. Yes. yes. <laughs> so what I am hearing from people right now is that they're kind of excited about this for one reason. All of their family can't come to the hospital <laughs> or come over afterwards. They now have an excuse I mean, to that's not a be bonus. bombarded. And you know, and that's something I teach boundaries because what a right. lot of families don't understand and in the pandemic, learn something, people just let people have their baby. If they want you there, oh my they're going to yes. ask you, don't ask to be there because what happens is parents, the grandparents, the cousin, oh my God, I'm, oh my, I'm yes. you know, I'm, I'm Latino, okay? We're, we're a Spanish family, like in Spain and this, this. We got a big family and right. everybody wants to be there. And their cousin that I've never even met, their second cousin and their boyfriends and their girlfriends, right. like everybody wants to be there. What happens is you get this full waiting room and people don't realize when a lot of times when couples arrive to the LD, they come and they're, they're at a lower dilation, which is usually maybe like three or two you're really right. not going to move very fast. So you should probably go home. My clients typically show up between five and eight because we know how to gauge it. We look for certain signs. Those signs are for you guys, you pandemic babies coming out. Uh, you really want to get there when you're dilated because you can't stop the training too much unless there's something right. else going on. So what you do, and you know this, Joe, you yes. guys wait to see if you've got nausea, right? Yes, that's right. Food aversion, nausea, yep. maybe vomiting. Yep. Bloody shows a big one. Yep. And, and the contractions really intensify to a level that is different from the early labor contractions. Once you see that bloody show. So for instance, my clients, they call me at four in the morning, said, okay, well, we're having contractions, getting worse. Da, da, da. And I go, okay, let's, treat, let's head over to the hospital in a while. I'm going to come see you, but let's just touch base in a couple of hours or if something dramatically changes. So I call them and I'm like, a couple hours, I'm like, what's going on? Well, we're not sure. Da, da, da. And I hear in the background. And I'm like, is she throwing up? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, 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 oh. okay. So she's throwing up. Does she have bloody show? Babe, do you have bloody show? Well, I had a little bit of blood and mucus. I'm like, can we meet at the hospital in a few? We get there. She's <laughs> eight centimeters. Oh, my God. Which is the perfect. Joe, if you yeah. can redo your hospital birth, would you love to arrive at eight centimeters? Yes. 100 <laughs> percent so much easier 100 you go in they can't mess with you you just have your baby you're not going to stop it and they're going to give you all the attention you need right there when you're yep. at two or three centimeters you're waiting around it's like going to the er when you have a broken ankle and they're really not going to do much because you got a heart attack in four right yep exactly <laughs> so, so perfectly this accurate. Been a little bit better and, yep. and, and people really learning to listen to their body so i think it's a throwback to our ancestral birthing People are mm -hmm. going to birth centers. People are doing more hormone birthing. They're birthing like we used to. And people right. are going to the hospital a little later. So yeah. they're not having Pitocin. They're not having, you know, a, an epidural if they, because they're they've already run most of the marathon. And it's about, you know, once you're seven or eight, you're going to start going pretty quick. Within the right. next few hours, you're pushing. So most yeah. people can endure that, you know, exactly. not rest. Yeah. And, and I love, I love that too. Cause I think, you know, one of the things that I know that you've, you've preached so much and I've heard every single person, um, that we've come in contact with, with birthing talk about this is the fact that, you know, you, you want to 
you want to go with your body. Your body knows what it needs to do. Ride the wave, just ride the wave, let it guide you. And then you'll know like, all right, now it's time. And then I think we are so conditioned to, and I think honestly the pandemic with wanting to get back out there and not wear masks and, and do all these things because we're tired of waiting around, quote unquote, um, is a perfect example of how I think we become conditioned to getting tired of waiting. And so we want to like, let's just move this along. I got life to get to kind of a thing. And so we do a lot more interventions, which once you, I mean, you know, that once you go to the hospital and you start the time timer, then it's like, okay, well, you've been doing this for so long for health reasons. We need to speed this along. We need to do a couple of different things. Well, I mean, but that's what they say, right? You know, so, right, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, like, you know, you know, but I mean, that's the things that one says. And so it's like, okay, well then if you say it, then let's just speed it up. And it's just, you know, it, it, it's not wrong and I don't, I'm not here to birth, I'm not birth shaming anybody because every single birth is amazing, incredible and unique and special. But what I am saying is if we have the ability to regain some of that power and say, you know, I'm just gonna, as, as a birthing individual, I'm going to just listen to my body and write it out. I think that's beautiful and we should embrace that aspect, you know? I will tell you, there, you know, nobody's birthing anybody, and there's never should be birthing. First of all, exactly. Because if you've got a baby in your arms, it, that sounds like a good birth to me. Exactly. It's just that in your journey, you learn more things and how you might want to do it. How did your grandma? Perfectly said. How did your mother do it? Do you want to break that chain, or do you want to be part of that? Like you know, and exactly. there's there's that, and we we have a couple of things to talk. We can talk about too that ties into my whole Black Lives Matter and stuff. Right. That really, I found. Something hit me, and I'll explain. I'll tell the story in a minute. But let me get back to this. You know, with the birth, birth, birth shaming is not a thing. It, you make it a thing. Most people feel guilt in their head, or they hear a voice. Sure. I'm going to give you a perfect example. We got in at eight. Mom was in there, and, and what happens typically when people are a little tired, or when they don't, they're not riding the wave. I can see it when I'm with them, and and mm-hmm. I knew she was pushing against her cervix before it was time to push. So your cervix dilates from zero all the way to 10 centimeters, like a donut or a bagel, right? Right. That's how big it goes. And then that cervix is gone. It disappears. It's just an open uterus waiting for that baby to get out, giving the leeway for the baby to get on out, right? Right. So here's the thing. Um, When you push against the cervix and it's not dilated, moms out there that are listening, dads that are listening, partners that are listening, tell, share the story. uh, They... It, it can make a thickening on that cervix, kind of like a fat lip, and that gets fatter. And if, if you keep pushing against it, it gets worse and worse, and you're going to have a cesarean a lot of times. Sometimes we can work it out. Well, what we do is I find like in, in the sense here about moms, it starts hurting because they're getting swollen in there too, right? Sure, yeah. And the baby's starting to fight against it too because you're pushing the baby. The baby can't get out. It starts giving the head much longer, right? And so you start coning out a little more that, that makes the baby not so comfortable, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so typically we'll say, you know what? An epidural is not a bad idea right now because we need you to relax and not push against that. And yeah. we need you just to, to relax and we can do other things. When we do epidurals, it, it doesn't mean just lay there. For a lot of people, it does that don't know. For us, it doesn't because what we do is we labor mom down. We start using the peanut ball. We start doing, you know, reverse sure. cowgirl on the peanut cowgirl where she's the flying cowgirl. You know, she's holding right. her, her feet and pulling, even though she can't feel them. And that's brimming the pelvis and opening that up. You know, there's just all sorts sure. of cool things that we can do. So it, right. it doesn't matter. And if we're having, and I tell my moms, we have to get one at the later stage. But look, if we can be under four hours, your baby's going to be pretty good. 
if it's gonna be over four hours, we can deal with this to breastfeed your baby. Because what happens is the epidural does slow down a baby. That's just what it does. They, they're, yeah. they're having drugs. And people always say, oh, no, it doesn't. I've heard anesthesiologists say it doesn't. Guess what? It does. There are studies. I've seen them. They, they you know, they, the baby for four days will still be urinating out the, the drugs. Like and I'm just gonna, going to, and I'm so glad, I'm so glad you brought that. I'm just going to interject for half a second and just say, let's think about, let's think about the fact that who's telling you that there's no repercussions, the people that get paid to give you the drug. All right. Okay. There we go. Let's just, let's just put uh, that it's out the there. truth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, Anyways. you know, typically, and there's no shame in getting epidural. It's a compassionate use no, of pain medicine. Exactly. That is absolutely fine with me. I don't care what you want to do. It's not my choice. I'm here to educate you. You choose the route you want to go. We're going to do it. I don't care sure. what it is. If you want to go in, get your epidural later, or want me to hang out with you and just labor you down, we'll be putting you side to side, setting you up in the throne, doing some stuff, get the squat bars out so you can pull up a little bit. I will make you work still. It doesn't mean you're on vacation. <laughs> right. We're going to get that baby out. And I want to yep. get that baby out successfully so you don't end up in the OR. Exactly. Nothing, nothing, there's nothing wrong with a C-section, but who wants to have their abdomen cut open? You know, you got to no heal from that. Yeah. I'd rather just push a baby out of my metaphorical vagina. You know? Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, then heal from that. surgery. Right. But what were you talking about, about with regards to um, Black Lives Matter? Yeah, let's tie that in. Uh, so, so I had that wonderful opportunity. I want to thank the bomb doulas in, um, in um, uh, Milwaukee. So Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the city of Milwaukee has an excellent program for people. They have doulas available. They are have breastfeeding counselors. They do kind of like the Healthy Start program. I love it. I think it's fantastic. And they reached me to help them kick off their breastfeeding awareness week. Well, it so happened when I was at this birth, it's 4, 4 a.m. till about 6 p.m. <laughs> oh my god i was supposed to meet with them at noon and i told them i don't know if i'm going to be able to meet with you guys i'm going to do my best well guess what right around noon is when we had the epidural mom's going to take a nap and i said this is perfect it's just like yeah. the universe worked because mom's going to get her vaginal birth we're going to right. get that baby out but she's going to get a break and i right. get to do my chat with them so right. we were talking and i said you know kicking off breast world breastfeeding you know month and here we are in, in the first week. And, you know, I think about a lot of things that are going on socially right now. Right. And a lot of people don't understand. Some people do. Nobody's ever going to see eye to eye, I don't think, because there's so much going on. And that's okay. It's just, let's just support people. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. However, what we talked about, and, and this was like, I'm like, this is so perfect because we're really putting this to the forefront, but other cultures can learn from this. And what I was thinking is whenever I go out and I talk to, or I, like I donate my time with Healthy Start here in San Antonio, I donate a lot of time. I just, that's just me. And yeah, yeah I want to get out there. And, and if I could Definitely. work for free, I would, because yeah. I just love what I do. And I think it makes a difference, right? Absolutely. Well, I go and I teach some of the people that work for Healthy Start things to look for this and that. And when we look at our city in particular, okay, our city has the, the highest um, uh, feed, uh, infant mortality rate is in the African-American population here. Right. And also in, and also the fetal maternal rate is African-American as well. Right. But we look at the socioeconomic group and that's what everybody always blames it on. They sure. forget about history, okay? And yeah. so, but, so I think other cultures have gone through the same thing. 
we just now are hearing about some of these stories, but they're real and I've known these stories and I, and I have a lot of African-American clients. I have a lot of clients in general. I don't really look at people as what sure. they are, but I'm just saying in general, right. I yeah. do. And I have seen prejudice. I see prejudice against my Hispanic patients, my lower income white people that, that may not look the same as the higher income white people. You know, this right. and that. there's a lot of discrimination. And even in, in a place that I love, you know, and I see, I, I think back on a woman who came to my breastfeeding class with her daughter. Her mom was my, her mom that was with her was my patient. And she brought her daughter to come to my breastfeeding class to learn. They had That's their awesome. baby. Mom calls me from the hospital and says, we're about to leave. We haven't been able to breastfeed. They told us her breasts were too big and they gave us this pump and I don't even know what it is. Brian, what can we do? And I said, you're gonna get in the car and come to my house before you go home. She said, okay. Yeah. So they came right over. That woman was so engorged, her milk was in. She had like double G breasts and they still told her she couldn't breastfeed because they were too big. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Like this woman is engorged. Let's see what we can do. That baby emptied her breasts. We latched the baby very easily. The baby emptied her breast, her breast, and she couldn't believe how soft it felt. And we did the other one. That baby ate that too because the baby was so freaking hungry. Sure, and yeah. She did not want to feed formula. She did not want to introduce a bottle, and they would not right. help her. And then they showed me the pump, and I just looked at it and said, "You've got to be kidding me!" And I gave her a manual pump. This is what you use with your hands to do it. And she was able to get so much milk out. We got eight ounces out of oh, one wow. breast. Okay, wow. yeah, this is a true yeah. story. And I was livid and I called the doctor who is an African-American doctor, one of my good friends, and said, this is happening in our community. Why? And we discussed that. And we started to think about what, and it's not like, you know, I don't go out there, I'm not like a race fighter or this and that, but I don't like it when people can't be treated the same, especially when we're doing the one thing that connects us to each so, other. Yeah, so, babies. yeah, so you're saying, and I just want to recap, because I believe I was, following all the way through. So you're saying that f for your, your, um, uh, black women client who wanted to breastfeed was discouraged from doing it in the hospital by the nurses who were saying this, which was fundamentally untrue, but they just didn't want to quote unquote fool with it. So they just discouraged her and firmly directed her to formula and just here, get, take it and go kind of a thing. Okay, it's terrible. which is awful. So yeah. then I, I started thinking about it more and more. And I said, look, all these communities have, there's two routes that they do. It's not the socioeconomic route. That, that it may play into it a little bit because there's WIC and they get free things and blah, blah, blah. And when you're down and out, you know, something free is kind of nice, right? I mean, sure. that's just yeah. the bottom line. If I, was, if I was hungry, I'd be happy to take something for free. Sure. Anybody would. It's just life. Okay? Right. It's a struggle. So here's the thing. Two routes, typically, and typically it's what they've grown up with, what they've seen, and how their family feels about the situation. So, for instance, you see, like, some machismo, machismo Mexican men that are like, nope, those are mine, the baby's not getting, you're not breastfeeding, no one's going to see your breast, that's it. Yeah. Gross, right? Yeah. Or... You know, my mom breastfed us. We came across the border. We did this and that. But I'm talking Hispanic right now just because that's sure. a lot of our population here too. And they breastfed. You should breastfeed. So then they want to breastfeed or, right? Or yeah. it's or, or they're being shamed for breastfeeding by other family members, like their moms right. or their aunts, because they bottle fed, right? Because we have, yeah. we're, we're like a few generations deep of, of almost complete bottle feeding of formula. And right. we also see a lot of celiac disease, huh? Isn't that funny now? Yeah. We're seeing a lot of problems, immunosuppressive problems. We're seeing 
type two diabetes, obesity, all these things, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. So here's the other thing when I when I think about what's happening in Black Lives Matter, a lot of people, it's the same thing, either a family member or they're following what's up or it's the easiest thing to do or blah, 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 by not breastfeeding or they want to breastfeed, but because they used to feed their, the, their, the people who kept them, their masters, I guess you would say, I hate saying that word, but they would, they would, they would make them feed their babies and, and that African-American oh, slave, their baby right. would die and they'd have to bury their baby while feeding another. Yeah. So that makes you want to oppose doing it. Because right. they look, oh, I get emotional. Sorry. <laughs> no, but then that's built into the the you know that history. We feel our history throughout, and so you've got that feeling, which is then passed down generations and generations. So yeah, it's no wonder why th there's an aspect of of historical feelings of resentment towards it. Yeah, that's a good point. In in, in that learning context, learning to yeah. empower both yes. sides, either right. route can be empowered. You yes. are not feeding anybody else's baby. It's the best nutrition for your baby. But they don't know this. This right. is going to help your baby not get sick as much. Your baby's going to be smarter, a couple IQ points higher. That might right. help if you're on the edge. We think about things like that. And when people right. learn this, they get excited. But guess what? Partners get really excited. Yeah. They learn something. And they're like, this yes. is the best thing. We got to do this. So my mom's like, okay. And you're not feeding someone else's baby now. You're not doing whatever the cultural history or your history, or maybe you were, you were sexually assaulted or, or molested or whatever. It doesn't matter because this is you in charge of your body doing something great for your baby. So I hope right. people take that away. That's a great takeaway. I want to know, um, as we're starting to wrap up here, there's, um, there's one, well, there's really two, two questions I want you to quickly hit on that I have one. They're both tied into our topics. Um, the first, I'll ask you the first, I'll ask you them both. Um, and then we'll go from there. But the first one I want to ask you is I, I, I hear a lot of times and I know that you do too, when folks say, Oh, well, I just couldn't breastfeed. I don't have the, the breast or I don't have the body. I just, I just, I formula fed just cause I could, I was one of the, I was one of those people air quotes that can't breastfeed. Right. And so I want to know what is your common response to that? And then another question that I have is, how are these babies, this may be a dumb question, this is one that's for me, how are we seeing babies get coronavirus positive coming out? Um, like how often is that happening? Is it being passed, do we think, in the same way that perhaps like um, like, um, like a, a venereal disease or, or um, um, autoimmune disease kind of a thing? Okay, so there we go. So that was an easy question. Okay. Bloodborne moms got an infection, babies, kids. Okay, that makes sense. The blood problem, Perfect. not like a venereal disease, right? Okay, like right. But, but um, you know, one thing that I have noticed, just, just on your second question, and then we'll get back to the first, because the first is a great one, and the second one is great too, Jeff. No, no, no. <laughs> and so let me tell you, uh, the, the, I guess when we, when we look at it, moms that are coming into to corona they, they think their baby's going to have it some babies do have it what we're seeing with a lot of babies in my city and what i've seen so far is that the babies if they actually have a response it's usually they're febrile and we keep them for 14 days and just monitor them but we we haven't seen real bad respiratory problems now that's some good. of the older children now are, are getting on ventilators and having some issues yeah so we're now seeing kids getting affected that weren't we didn't think we we're going to get affected right Right. Yeah. So, so that's one thing. And back to the other one. I just couldn't breastfeed. Okay. Look, 
Here's the thing. You can't judge someone for not breastfeeding, one. Of course. Two, some people have tubular breasts that do not have the tissue to make enough milk. They're just a different type of breast. You guys can look at that. They're called tubular. Um, some people have psychological issues and anxiety and stress and mental disorders that they need to remain on their medication. And guess what? I'd rather have a mom fit mentally and happy yes. and being able to receive her baby and love her baby than get into postpartum depression, everything else that comes along with whatever problem she's having. Sure. So good point. it's all about lifestyle and being happy and keeping your, your family being happy. And then, uh, you know, there are people who were misled. I mean, I hear people and I laugh about this every time I, when I teach breastfeeding, I ask a couple questions and, and I have a lot of fun, obviously. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. But I go, you know, well, well, one of them is some people just don't know how to, how, to, how to calm down and how to keep themselves good. So if you can't be calm, you're not going to breastfeed very well because you're, you're uptight, your baby gets your energy, and it's just yeah, crazy. Right. And you can't have this, oxytocin. You see my tattoo. No one else yep, is there. Yep, right now. Yes, I do. That's <laughs> oxytocin. I'm so committed. And let me just say, oxytocin, it takes oxytocin to make a baby because that's an orgasm and the right. desire to be with somebody. It takes oxytocin to have a baby because that's your contractions. Right. It's oxytocin to feed a baby because that helps get your milk to come out, right? Right. Well, oxytocin, you know, I say, okay, moms, how many of you guys can come out here and, you know, just be all angry, be sad, feel not safe, feel like really upset, just ugh, scared yeah. and terrified and have an orgasm. Let's see your hands. Well, you can't because it's the right. same mechanism. So if that's the exactly. same mechanism and you can't control your emotions or have a safe environment, do you think you're going to be okay having a baby and pushing? No. Do you think you're no. going to be okay trying to feed a baby that's crying at you and this and that when you're already all wound up and you can't keep it together? No, but that's okay. No. So you got to learn to do that. We start practicing that ahead of time. When I see a lot of anxiety, I have my mom's do gratitude journals. Every morning, her and the partner are going to write down something they have gratitude for because it changes your, your outlook after a few days, you know, right. doing this consistently. You know, I also have mom and dad learn to eye gaze and learn to connect with each other in a deeper way and do this on the daily. And, and they learn to find that safe space that calms them because they practice it. We're, the first couple of times they're crying and they're laughing and they're totally uncomfortable because I, I mean, even people who've been married for years, who've known each other for years, when you get into that kind of intimacy, it's a little harder if you're really playing yeah. by the rules. The rules are only think positive thoughts about your partner, why you love them, what you want, what you, why you're with them, the first kiss, this and that, and look them straight in the eyes for one minute and think those thoughts. You feel that energy, you know, yeah, like it, yeah. it gets, and it's emotional yeah. and it I've got chills right now. That's what you yeah. know I'm not lying about. It's a very it. intense, really cool thing. So there's those things. And then, you know, just having a strategy when you get home, partners, get, you know, kick it up. You got to do stuff. You know, my sleep when the baby sleeps, eat when the baby eats, and hygiene when the baby has hygiene. Guess what? Mom barely leaves that spot she's in. She just feeds yeah. the baby, gets fed, and then um, partner sets up the hygiene, the, the pad for her because when they breastfeed, the oxytocin makes your uterus contract too, so you bleed more, but your right. uterus also goes back down to size within, you know, six to eight weeks instead of 13 to 15, right? Right. And so, but you bleed a little more and you get to get rid of the pads faster. But by doing that, you're keeping your partner in a good headspace. You're feeding your partner while she's eating, she, she's feeding you, the baby, you're feeding her. You're going to go get a snack right. and feed her. 
and feed yeah. yourself. Don't be a pig, but feed her too. You know, don't just yeah, like, ah, exactly. Oh, this is good. Mine. You know, right. We've all been. There. I love it. Okay, so that's the ice cream scandal, right? But you know, right. well, I'll just get a bowl of ice cream for us, right? All right. Quotes, <laughs> us. So, so you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But when, when partners can really get in and act and make the mom feel special, make her feel loved, make her care, she wants to care for herself. Yeah, typically. that's good. And she Absolutely wants to care love for her baby. I love that. That is, this has been a fantastic discussion and I really love, I love having you back on the show to talk through this because, because I think there's so, there's so much good advice there and good thoughts. And I know that there's so many people that probably are, you know, panicky and stressed and, and the best thing that you've said is just, look, you've been trained to do this. You know what to do. You've been preparing for this. Just continue to go through it. Just know that there's a little bit more that you need to do, but you're going to be okay at the end of the day. You got I think this. the hospital makes everybody pretty comfortable as far as yeah. my hospitals that I go to. Sure. And the people, I, my teams that I work with, I love them all. I've given you guys a shout out, especially the Methodist team and, and all my, all my OBs I love, especially Kelly, because, you know, everybody is really put together and they, they're, they're, they're not taking time with their families to help other families grow and do stuff. And there, a lot of my friends have donated such amazing time. And I, I just, I feel really proud to know the people I get to work with. I've got great colleagues. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to transition to uh, my favorite segment of the week. It is the dad joke of the week segment where I hurl dad jokes at my unsuspecting guest in an attempt to get them to laugh while the audience groans, but I can't hear the audience. I can only hear my guests, so it works out. Although, Brian, you're less of an unsuspecting guest because you've been on before and you've been part of the show, so you get it. But I will kick it over to you and see, do you have any dad jokes you would like to offer up? I do, but I forgot to bring my dad joke book that's sitting right back there. My daughter got me for Father's Day. Oh, my gosh. Uh, yeah, I, I wish I had a, a good one right now on me. Let's see. Um, oh, gosh, I don't know. It's okay. I'll start. I'll start. And then if you find any, we'll circle back. So uh, I've got some baby themed ones for you. I figured you would appreciate that. So Brian, uh, what do you call a group of baby soldiers? Baby soldiers. A crawling troop? I don't know. Oh, that's good. No, an <laughs> infantry. An infant. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. An infantry. Very <laughs> good, Joe. Real, real. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. A baby walks oh, into yes. a bar. Two babies yes. walk into a bar. The first baby says, I want milk. The second baby says, give me a beer. No, I'm just, I don't know. I just, <laughs> what's, is that the, uh, is that the boss baby? The second one? What's, what's going on there? <laughs> did I just, did I just plagiarize? No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 that was good. That was good. Um, uh, Brian, how do you get an astronaut's baby to sleep? An astronaut's baby to sleep. You just don't comment. <laughs> oh, that's good. Uh, you actually rock it. You rock it. <laughs> All right, last one. Uh, Brian, I wanted to tell you this story about a dad who tried to keep his wife happy through labor by telling jokes. She didn't laugh once, um, and I'm thinking I know why. I think it was the delivery. I think it was the delivery. Either his or hers. Either way. That's so funny. All right, all right. Well, Brian, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? You know what? You can you can follow me on Instagram at Birth Guy. You can message me whenever. I'm on Facebook at Brian the Birth Guy. And if you're interested in checking out my book, it's it actually came out in German this month. Ooh, congratulations! It's in Germany. They bought the rights and they're circulating it. So we're in nine countries now. I think. Um, awesome. You can, you can look it up and you can watch my trailer, my book trailer, which is really cool. One of my patients did it. He's got three Emmy awards. His name's Alejandro. That's us. awesome. Yeah, he's a beast, and he did my my book trailer, so I'm so so blessed by that. And and um, you can find that at birthguidebook.com. 
birthguidebook.com. Perfect. Of course, we will put the links in the show notes as well. Uh, Brian, we do need a hashtag for this episode. And I, I want to write down what you had said because I thought it was so good. Uh, what did you say babies are being called now? Cor- corona babies? Cor- coronials. Coronials. <laughs> corona babies are um, uh, babies you have after you have too much Corona beer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we all know tequila causes pregnancy. Oh, there we go. There we go. There we go. All right, Coronial. So I think we should have that be the hashtag of the episode if you are good with that. I love it. All right. Well, Brian, thank you again so much. This has absolutely been a delight. Joe, it's so good to talk to you and spend some time with you. We got to do this more. Absolutely, we will. Absolutely. All right. And listeners, we'll be back next week with another great episode. But until next time, hashtag Coronials and hashtag be a better dad. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.